Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company. I'm your host, the big, bald, and beautiful one, Raymond Parch the third. It's a hump day edition of our show. Of course, the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, joins me here inside the game studios. We'll unveil our foodie poll question of the week. It's been a minute. Since we've actually discussed this inside the studio, last week I was on vacation and the two weeks prior, Sunbelt Media Days and SEC Media Days. So maybe we'll have our friend Steve Wiley join us later on in today's show to discuss, have that roundtable discussion, if you will, about our foodie poll question of the week, which of course is always our poll question of the day on Wednesdays. We got a lot to get to on today's edition. We're going to share some audio with you from a former Como High star turned LSU wide receiver Malik Neighbors. He talked to the media yesterday at LSU's fall football camp. We'll share that with you later today. Also later on today's show, New Orleans Saints training camp. Paulson Adebo. He's been the standout. We heard Fletcher Mackle tell us that yesterday. The best player on the field so far, offense or defense. We'll have the latest from Paulson Adebo, as well as first-year head coach Dennis Allen. Plus, we have three tremendous guests for you today. We're going to talk all things NFL training camp with Vinny Iyer, our friend from the Sporting News. He's going to join us in the third hour, the 8 o'clock hour at 8.30. We're going to go not only touch on the Saints, but talk about all the teams and what has really stood out to him so far as training camp has ramped up across the country. We're going to talk about safety as well this morning. Jeff Morrison from Louisiana 811 will be joining us because, well, today is 811 day. We'll talk about safety. When it comes to digging in your backyard, your front yard, your side yards, we'll talk with Jeff this morning at 8 o'clock. And at 7.30, the Mad Dog, Ron Higgins, the award-winning columnist from TigerDetails.com, will join us as we break down LSU's fall camp. So those are our three guests. Of course, we want to hear from you. You know that. We love to hear from you. I actually curl up in a ball and start crying like a little baby if you don't call the show. You don't want to see the big, bald, and beautiful one do that, right? No, no one wants to see that. You know the hotline's open. We love to hear from you. Game hotline, 337-706-0111. 337-706-0111. Did I fib a little bit? Did I embellish a little bit about curling up in a ball? Yes. 
namely because I'm too old and too large to even get down in that position on the floor. So the likelihood of just being disappointed is more likely to happen. Let's start off today's show, though, talking about the Houston Astros. Had a couple of disappointing series after they pushed their weight around against the Seattle Mariners. They dropped two of three to the Boston Red Sox, who are struggling with a losing record and being in last place in the AL East. Then they split a series with the Cleveland Guardians. Now, the Guardians are playing better, and they're well-coached. So nothing really to hang your head about, but a couple of so-so series. They had the day off Monday. Tuesday, back at home, trying to get back on track. And in comes those Tejas Rangers. The old rivals. And apparently, that's exactly what the doctor ordered for the Astros. They had to rally, though. It wasn't easy. On a night where we saw multiple walk-offs and some late-inning heroics, if you will, across Major League Baseball. Torrens walks it off for the Mariners in a wild 13-inning win over the Yankees as the Yankees continue to struggle. Mariners win it walk-off in 13 innings. It's kind of a bananas. That was kind of a bananas ending to that game. Seattle's dangerous. Seattle's dangerous, I'm telling you. The Braves knock off the Red Sox 9-7. It took 11 innings. There in Fenway Park. And plenty of dramatic outcomes last night. Astros had a little drama. Not that type of high stakes, extra inning drama. But they still had it. As they had to rally to come from behind to win 7-5. Texas Jumps out early, run in the first, then add two in the third, and then one more in the fourth. They're holding a 4 nothing lead, and it sure does look like the Astros are in trouble. But as I've said all season long, there's not a lead, there's not a deficit that the Astros look at and go, oh, that's too much. That's not how they're built. They have the confidence and the experience. More important than anything else, the reason why they have their confidence is because they have their experience of doing this. Four-run lead, not a problem. Because Jose Arquiti struggled early. He just did. It was not a great start. For him, by any stretch of the imagination. Gave a home run up to Seager. Gave a home run up to Simeon. You're like, oh, oh, Jose. Jose. Five earned runs on five hits in five innings. Struck out four, walked two. Subpar performance by Jose. So, your number three pitcher doesn't have his best stuff. Gives up four runs in the first four innings. And what do the Strohs do? They say, oh, don't worry about that. 
we'll just go out there and get ourselves a grand slam to tie the game up in the bottom of the fourth. That's all. Diaz blasts it to center field, 432 feet. Grand slam that scores Altuve, Bregman, and Tucker. But credit Texas, they fought right back in the fifth. Urquidy gave up another home run, his third of the night. Garcia hits a solo shot. Rangers back on top, 5-4. to four. So now the Astros are down yet again. But here they come in the fifth. Automatically respond. Altuve doubles the deep left. That scores Myers. Guriel hits a sack fly. The center scoring Altuve. That makes it 6-5. Now that one-run deficit is a run-run advantage. And then Tucker scores Bregman on a double to deep left field in the sixth inning. And then the Astros' bullpen comes in and gets the job done. Urquidy still gets the win, by the way. But the bullpen, Smith, who gets reunited with the Astros. Remember, they traded for him with Atlanta. Gave up Jake Odorizzi to get Will Smith to come back. Smith comes in, pitches an inning, only gives up one hit. Montero, a clean inning. Neris, a clean inning. And two strikeouts. Presley comes in, does give up a hit, but strikes out two. Boom. Gets the save. Astros win 7-5. Presley's its 22nd save of the year. Urquidy improves to 11-4 on the season. Sure does look like he's on his way to being a 15-game winner. And Perez, one of the Rangers' best pitchers, who was 9-3 on the season, suffers the loss. So the Astros find a way to win. Like they typically do because they have the experience, because they're a veteran-laden team. Things don't go right. Your pitcher doesn't pitch well. Does it matter? No. Great teams find ways to win. Great teams find ways to win. And this morning, on this lovely August The 10th, yeah, it's already August the 10th. You look at the standings, and guess who has the same record overall? The New York Yankees, and now the Houston Astros. The Yankees lead for best overall record in the American League, which, I don't know, a month ago seemed like it was secured. Seemed like the Yankees were going to have home field advantage. Has absolutely evaporated. Yankees are 3-7 and seven in their last 10. Now, they still have a 10.5 game lead in the AL East over the Blue Jays, 12 games over the Rays, and 12.5 over the Baltimore Orioles. The Red Sox, oof, don't know what happened to them. And there's the Astros, 71-40 and 40 as well. They hold an 11-and-a-half game lead over the Seattle Mariners.
But the Mariners are locked in for one of those wild card spots. The team with the best record in baseball now is still in New York. It's just in the National League, the Senior League. Mets improved to 72 and 39. Do you believe they're going to run away with the NL East? Braves, your defending World Series champions, will be a wild card team. I'm sorry. I stand corrected. The Dodgers have the best record in baseball. 76 wins. When you spend that much money, I would hope you'd have the best record in baseball. But right now, as it stands, already on August 10th, Dodgers, 76 wins. Mets, 72 wins. Astros, 71 wins. And Yankees, 71 wins. We got four teams over 70 wins already. And we got a couple more. Then you have a group of 60-win teams like the Blue Jays, the Mariners, Cleveland and Minnesota are at 57 wins. Braves, Phillies are over 60 wins. St. Louis is at 60 wins. San Diego, 62 wins. So we got plenty of baseball left, but some great, great divisional races are still on the line. But Astros get the victory over the Rangers. You can listen to game two of that series from Minute Maid Ballpark. It'll be broadcast live right here on the game. First pitch set for 7-10 tonight. Rangers, Strohs from Minute Maid, 7-10 first pitch. Of course, you can listen to it live right here on the game. We have to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, on this glorious hump day edition of our show, the foodie poll question of the week, which is always our poll question of the day on Wednesday, will be unveiled. Had a little meet and greet last night. Got to meet my daughter's teachers there at Grand Coteau Elementary. Brought the school supplies. Our poll question... It's going to be about being back in school. We're going to take you way back in school. That's coming up next right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros. A shot to left field, going back on its court. Sign up right now for The Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com so you can score tickets, gift certificates, and more. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Uh, the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. That's right, the Astros, who you already know, no lead is safe with the Astros. They will rally down by four, five, six. It does not matter. They're red hot. One of the best teams in baseball already got to 70 wins. And you can see them live in person. They're going to be taking on the Baltimore Orioles, one of the other hot teams in baseball right now, on Saturday, August 27th, and you can be there. Simply register, register in the game clubhouse to score yourself four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Ballpark, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Once again, 
O's, Stroh's, Minute Maid, four tickets, a tour, and hotel accommodations. But that's our latest Astros weekend getaway. They're powered by Butcher AC, Love Meridian, Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. But you can only win it by becoming a member of our clubhouse. So go sign up today. It's simple, it's easy, and it's free. Foodie poll question of the day. Of the week, which is our food, which is our poll question of the day on Wednesdays. Back to school. Teachers are going back to school. Kids are going back to school. Parents are having to do meet and greets at school. Did I try to embarrass my daughter last night at the meet and greet at Grand Coteau Elementary? Yes. Was I asked by my daughter to please not do that? Because while we were waiting in line to turn in our proof of residency and then pay the fees and figure out where our daughter's classroom was and all that good jazz. I offered to my seven, soon-to-be eight-year-old daughter if she would like it if I just so broke out some dance moves out inside the cafeteria in front of her teachers and friends, and she was mortified. <laughs> so, uh, so, it's back to school. But being back in the cafeteria brought back some old memories. And then just coincidentally, producer extraordinaire Hannah Five Names was like, hey, what about, what was your favorite go-to snack or lunch when it came to being in school when you were a kid? And I said, well, let's make it. What was your go-to cafeteria lunch? What was your favorite school lunch? Now, I know some of y'all had parents that made your fancy box lunches, okay? Had your, you know, little thermos. I had a thermos when I was a kid. When I was real little, yeah, my mom would make me PB&J or bologna sandwiches. But you get to an age where then you're eating at school, right? What was your go-to? Pizza's always a good choice, right? Like it was always a treat, usually on Fridays. When you go to lunch and they're like, oh, they're going to have pizza today. What? Pizza? For me, Sloppy Joe's was always the thing. Now, was the meat, hamburger meat? Could be questionable, depending on where you went to school. (laughs) But Sloppy Joe's was always a great one. Chicken nugs or chicken strips, depending on where you went to school. You always got excited about that, right? That was another one. Sometimes... They'd have a really good, like, Salisbury steak and mashed potatoes and gravy. That was always a good one. Now, there was also some some bad ones. But what was your favorite school lunch? That's our foodie poll question of the week, our poll question of the day on Wednesdays. What was your favorite school lunch? And we're giving you some options. Right now, 32% say other. 31% say pizza. 31% say sloppy joes. 6% say chicken strips or nugs. Let's get to some comments. Ton says, for me, it was always chicken sausage gumbo or sausage creole. However, you can't beat that cafeteria pizza dipped in ranch sauce. I need to know where Ton went to school at where you had gumbo. (laughs) 
<laughs> because I need to <laughs> that sound. I don't remember ever. I, I lived in Louisiana through junior high and part of high school. I never had gumbo at lunch. Never. They were like, we ain't spending money on gumbo. <laughs> but he is right about that cafeteria pizza. Hart says, cafeteria pizza was the best. Milk coming out of your nose when your friends made you laugh was the worst. He's not wrong. JPK, the OD. Port Sulphur High, greatest single-A football teams ever. We used to call it Lunch Lady Lasagna. It had cooked for so long that it made that orange grease that defied gravity and crawled up the side of the pan as if it was trying to escape. You know what I'm talking about. I do. Oh, yeah. I was like, ooh, lasagna. And the top would be kind of hard and burnt around the edges because they cooked it for too long. But as a kid, you're like, yeah, let's get this. Let's go. John Paul, Cajun daddy. Growing up in a different time and going to a bayou school in Terrebonne Parish where they actually cooked the food. Whoa, what? The grandmothers who worked in the cafeteria made an awesome chicken and sausage jambalaya and peanut butter squares. Good morning. There we go, John Paul. You keep those comments coming all day long, bud. Ton on Twitter says, he replies to John Paul, back before peanuts and shellfish were banned from school. Yeah. Blaine Viator, friend of the program and the station, our good friend, says, at the Crow, it was pocket bread. I've replied back to Blaine. Don't know if he's checked his phone, if he's listening, which I'm sure he does. I need to know what pocket bread is because it sounds something that I would love to eat. But what is pocket bread? I need to know, Blaine. I'm actually going to text him during the break. <laughs> because I need to know what this pocket pocket bread is. Our good friend, Ward Corville, the coach, has chimed in via text. The best could be anything. The all-time was, worst was spinach. <laughs> wow. You know what, though? I loved, like, my middle school and junior high spinach. It was only time I ate spinach because it was like just salty enough that actually you couldn't taste it as a spinach. It was gross. It was fantastic. I like spinach, but I usually prefer my, the way my mom makes it because I grew up in my My mom was like, you got to eat vegetables. So I was like, well, if Popeye eats it, it's good enough for me. So I'll eat spinach, but I don't remember a lot of vegetables at school in the cafeteria. Like if it was, it was usually corn. Yeah, it was corn, corn and all through high school, but it was definitely middle school and just about most of junior high was always spinach. Corn or mixed vegetables? Because mixed vegetables are cheap, which I hate. I hate mixed vegetables, by the way. I don't even let my wife bring it into the house. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, there'll be none of that. There'll be none of that nonsense. But when you get a little bit older in high school, sometimes you would have salad, right? Some yeah. schools would have a salad bar. We always had a salad bar in high school. But some schools. But I don't remember a lot of vegetables. Like, if you did have a vegetable, it was corn. I always remember there would be some type of meat or meat substance. And always corn. It seemed like the only thing they had were just cases and cases of canned corn. Maybe green beans. 
We had randomly would have it wouldn't even be the regular green beans. It would be like French style green beans, which is my favorite type of green beans. But it was usually vegetable wise. It was usually, yeah, it was corn. We had a salad bar in high school. We would have peas when it came to like Thanksgiving time. You would get peas a lot for that month, and then of course spinach in like junior high and middle school. Yeah, but always chicken strips with mashed potatoes and corn. You'd use half of your chicken strips eat with ketchup and the other half to eat with the mashed potatoes because mashed potatoes were bomb ward has also chimed in that the spinach at his school would have water on top of it oh yeah that's probably yeah probably not good <laughs> we called it the morning dew oh keep these comments coming on our poll question of the day which is our foodie poll question of the week love it what was your favorite school lunch back in the day Right now, leading the vote, pizza with 35% of the vote, 30% for other, 29% for Sloppy Joe's, and 6% for chicken strips. we got to take a timeout. When we return, we'll take your phone calls. Game hotline is open, 337-706-0111. We'll also hear from New Orleans Saints training camp down in Metairie. Head coach Dennis Allen, Paulson Adebo, and more. That's all coming up next right here on the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros RP3 grew up dreaming of one day playing right field for the Atlanta Braves just like his hero Dale Murphy I wanted to grow up and be Dale Murphy Little Raymond though wasn't quite the caliber of athlete of his childhood hero as his lone highlights as a ball player were being beamed Twice in the head. That actually explains a lot. Back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, the Arneville Volunteer Fire Department is hosting their Black Pot Cook-Off on Saturday, September the 10th. The cooking's going to begin at 8 a.m. and the eating's going to start at straight up noon there at the Flower Auditorium in Arneville. There's also going to be plenty of live music for the Black Pot Cook-Off. Gerald Grunig and Gentilly Zydeco, Dustin Sonier and Sweet Cecilia are among the acts that will be performing. For more information about this year's Black Pot Cook-Off, visit ArnevilleFire.org. That's ArnevilleFire.org. Speaking of food, our poll question of the day is our foodie poll question of the week. What's your go-to, what was your favorite school lunch back in the day when you were a kid going to school, going to the cafeteria? Pizza, always a strong choice, right? Seemed like you're getting a treat when you'd have pizza in the cafeteria. Tacos, which we didn't have as an option. Tacos were always... A popular choice, Salisbury steak, chicken strips, Sloppy Joe's was my favorite, though. That's what I voted. We've got a lot of options here. A lot of people commenting about with gumbo. I want to know what school you went to where they had gumbo available. I need that list now. I may possibly be relocating so my daughter can have that. <laughs> Our buddy Blaine Vietor said, commented pocket bread at the crow 
So I needed to know what that was. He said it was like a homemade hot pocket. Ooh. There we go. Tad said, get your learn on. I like what I'm hearing. I'm like what I'm hearing here, Tad. It's what I like. Mr. Cajun says it was a little slice of heaven in, in, in regards to the pocket bread at Karen Crow. Keep those votes coming. Keep those comments coming on our foodie poll question of the week. But right now, it's time for us to head out to the old hotline. We got a couple people out there waiting. First up is Matt. Matt, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind, my friend? Brother, you got me hungry this morning thinking back in the day. This is uh, back in the 70s. If you were lucky enough to grow up in Lafayette, most of the, I'd say all of the schools cook their own food. And you know it was going to be good. I went to L.J. Alamon Elementary, right? And you know the food was going to be good because all of the lunch ladies spoke French. There you go. Now, they ran they ramped it up when they saw me. I was a big kid, right? And all I heard was grow back or whatever. I knew they were talking about me because my grandmother spoke French. But anyway, back to the point. Uh, all the things you listed were great. But over there, the shrimp stew with the Ooh. homemade school rolls were unbeatable. Incredible. You could smell that roux cooking about 10 in the morning start getting hungry. And, again, I was a big kid. So, you know, the, 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 the saliva started going. And, man, was it ever good. And that, that was my absolute favorite there. Oh, that's absolute great, favorite. brother. That's great. And, you know, and, th- and that's the thing that's missing, right? Because uh, you're a little bit older than I am, but I remember going to school where the cafeteria workers cooked their own food, right? They made absolutely. their own food. And a lot of times they would make their own dishes, especially if you went to a country school or rural school. They definitely did it there. But uh, kids today, they don't know about any of that. Everything's already prepackaged, flash frozen, and they just thaw it out these days. Yeah, I feel sorry for them. And when my kids went to school and they'd invite me to lunch, I'm like, yeah, okay, that's that's nice. (laughs) 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 Just wasn't like it was back then, man. I hear you, brother. I appreciate the phone call, Matt. Enjoy your day, bud. Have a good one. See, Matt remembers a time where you actually had your cafeteria workers would make the food from scratch. I'd be willing to bet your foot remembers it the same way. Probably. You know, Kevin went to Acadiana High, but he went when it went to school the same time that Matt did. I'd be willing to bet you that he grew up going and eating cafeteria food made by workers that made it from scratch or made it there inside the kitchen. It wasn't as much, I think, lunch for us that was made from scratch and not at all like you had, you know, of course, ground meat. They, they had to do that from scratch. We didn't get that pee package. I even saw it inside the cafeteria. I worked at school, but breakfast was always for me from scratch. Like I watched them make it, like beignets and the breakfast pizza that somehow no one can find or make correctly. But you like remember nostalgia wise, all their breakfast pizza. It's basically like an Alfredo pizza with sausage on it, but it does not taste the same anywhere you go. I was always running too late to school to enjoy the breakfast at school. <laughs> let's oh, head, getting too early there. Let's head back out to the hotline. Welcome on, Jamie, to the show. Jamie, I'm going to let you back in on the show after yesterday's shenanigans. You're welcome. Oh, I appreciate that very, very much. <laughs> and I have to say, Miss uh, Five Names having beignets for breakfast in the morning. While meanwhile, we usually had a pop tart. You know that uh, is, I guess different uh, different economic classes, huh? Fanciness. I was in no private schools in a whole little public school. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for me, 
and, and I don't know where Ton is from. You're talking about gumbo and everything, and I think somebody else mentioned it too. But we had gumbo uh, in St. Landry Parish. Matter of fact, some of the schools still fix the chicken and sausage gumbo uh, when it gets cold enough. So, I mean, it's it's still done. It's not unheard of. Now, it's never the seafood because you can't have shellfish or anything. But, uh, yeah, I can remember that. But my favorite, my absolute favorite school lunch was when they had chicken, uh, the chicken burgers. Not the hamburgers because, you know, the hamburger meat was always, like, I don't know, sketchy at best. But the chicken burgers, like, they would have the breaded chicken patty, and you could throw some whatever you wanted on there. But uh, those were always my favorite because, for whatever reason, they tasted fresher than any of the other things. And I don't know about y'all, but when my school had veggies, it was always either going to be spinach, which tasted like cardboard. It was going to be corn, which tasted like salted cardboard. Or it was going to be green beans, which had no taste at all. Yeah, that, that 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 was usually the go-to: corn, green beans, um, and, and yeah, spinach or mixed vegetables too, depending on yeah, where 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 you're at. Or sometimes you would have the school lunch; they would have the green beans, but they would have the canned potatoes with the green beans. Oh yeah. You, <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what. I tell you what, no matter what we got in high school, no matter what we got, any day of the week, as, as good or bad as it was, the football team was always going to get better. Well, yeah. Always. Well, Every of day of the week. It, you know, it wasn't just Fridays where they had the big pregame meal. No, like, if we had, let's say we had Sloppy Joe's, which I hated Sloppy Joe's. It was a texture thing for me. But I oh, Jamie, Joe's. it was we great talking Joe's, to you again. The football team had steak. Two days in a row. Two days in the row, Mr. Green. I am not going to tolerate slander towards the Sloppy <laughs> Joe. We didn't really have Sloppy Joe's in school. We didn't have those. You didn't have Sloppy Joe? No. You, you must actually. have went You, you must have went to a, a, a well-funded public school. Uh, Jamie, <laughs> thank you for your phone call, brother. Enjoy the rest of your day, bud. Yeah, have a good one. I mean, someone went to a well-funded public school. I mean, no, our, our football players, they didn't have special lunches. They had special dinner. Like, for pregame, our, like, teacher for the culinary, like, program we had in, like, you know, Pro Eats or something like that. Culinary he, program? What is yeah. that? So, we had, like, different programs for, like, for, like, the se- basically it's for seniors. But the seniors hall had, like, a certain program you're going into. Like, I did the broadcasting program. So, like. I was in for the first two hours of school. I was in broadcasting to where we would do like all of our recording for the next day for the show and put the morning announcements and doing all of our promos like that. That was all like we got, I had cords. I had green and white cords. We finished your like program. There's another word for it. Probably been like curriculum or something. Not really program. I don't know. But it was something along those lines where you had certain things you go into like become like a CNA. So you like you know they have like the nursing people Fancy. and all that. Fancy. I mean, did you, did you have like transfer crafts where you could have like college no. classes? Oh no, Stacy. Yeah. You had you you had the option of well, first of all, everyone had to take the same courses. You you could you could work, so you could work you could go to school for half a day, 
and get off either right after lunch or the class right after lunch, and then what do they call it? Work related or something like that. So, but you had to have a job, so you could go do that as a senior. You could go work if you wanted to start, you know, know, get your foot in the door and start making a living. You could get your foot in the door and work. And we had college prep classes. Like I, I took college prep English as a senior, but I didn't have these specialty broadcasting classes and bougie lunches. Oh yeah, I was certified in AVID in high school. Uh, I also got certified in PowerPoint, Excel, Word. Oh, now you're just bragging. Almost like all the extra stuff. But like we had like different programs where you could like basically kind of have like a small version, small version of like what you're going to be doing in college. So, like, if you're going to be going into, like, nursing and stuff, you had CNA, so you would go and, like, your last two days, last two hours would be something else, like, to going to a, a hospital or something. But, yeah, we had, like, college, it was, like, college prep classes, but yeah, it's, it, it's adorable that you went to a school <laughs> that was properly funded and had all these programs for kiddos. It's fine. I, I went to school where kids were wearing stolen bowling shoes because they didn't have enough money for shoes. <laughs> so yeah, times have changed and obviously the schools i went to were not the same schools that producer extraordinary hannah five names went to good stuff good phone calls keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day which is our foodie poll question of the week we're going to get to saints training camp coming up next that's how we're going to close out our number one here on rp3 and company you're listening to the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. New Orleans Saints training camp is up and running down in Metairie. Lots of buzz building about the black and gold for this upcoming season. New era with Dennis Allen in charge and finally going to get Michael Thomas back. You got the Honey Badger on the roster now. Lots of buzz coming out of New Orleans. And the majority of the buzz early on during training camp has been about Paulson Adebo. Second-year cornerback out of Stanford. Remember, he did not play his last year in college because of COVID-19. So last year, not only was he a rookie, but he was a rookie that hadn't played in more than a year. He made some strides, showed some promise, but he has been turning heads at camp left and right. We heard Fletcher Mackle from WDSU tell us yesterday, hey, He's been the best player, offense or defense, period, during camp. And we heard from him yesterday, the young man who's lining up as the number two cornerback for the New Orleans Saints. And this is what he had to share about his defensive coordinator, Chris Richard. Yeah, I think just having him uh, in my corner, somebody who's coached a lot of great DBs uh, with his time with the Seahawks, his time with the Cowboys, uh, Somebody could come in, I can ask him any question he has to answer. Um, and then also has that credibility factor that he's been around guys that have done it at a high level. So, you know, you definitely have to respect him and you love to have him as your DB coach. Sorry, not the defensive coordinator. I misspoke. Richard coaches the defensive backs. Richard has spoke highly about Adebo and about that unit all together. And I mentioned this yesterday as well, is that these guys are getting great experience <clears throat> the wide receivers going up against the DBs and vice versa, right? Iron sharpens iron is the cliche. And Paulson was asked, 
What are the challenges of guarding Michael Thomas in practice? Yeah, I mean, just a big, physical, strong receiver. Catches everything, right? He's definitely going to challenge you, uh, you know, on every play, right? Somebody who's going to compete on every play. So you love going up against him, and you love to have him on your team. Guy that he's also going up against that in practice, of course, is Taysom Hill, who's lining up primarily at tight end this season during camp. No runs at quarterback. There'll be none of that. He's lining up at the tight end position. He's going to be used as the joker, but during camp, he's getting the majority of his reps at the tight end position. And Hill talked about what's he been doing to study to becoming a better overall tight end. I respect what these guys do, and let's say my respect what our tight ends have done here historically have just gone up as I've been in their meeting room and I didn't fully understand what we asked them to do and so I've man I've paid very close attention to what what they do on the field what they do you know watching film and I've just tried to replicate what they're doing he's talking about tight ends in the league and the tight ends in his own room in the tight end room so he's dedicated to becoming the best possible target at tight end for this team he'll still be used in that joker role we heard Fletcher tell us yesterday expect him to be used in goal line situations as well but he's got that foot injury and he was asked how that's going on right now I mean I think a Liz Frank is never over with um, but it feels good like I feel like I can do everything I need to do right now and it's just being able to handle the volume that I'm going to be asked to do and so we're just trying to gauge what that is and what that looks like but um, overall I'm very happy with where my foot is disappointing news did come out of New Orleans yesterday uh, former Appalachian State star Sunbelt defensive player of the year DeMarco Jackson was placed on injured reserve reports are coming out that the fifth round pick will likely be redshirted this year essentially he'll miss have to miss the entire season due to the injury so disappointing news for the Saints Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Good morning. Welcome back to RP3 and Company. I'm the big, bald, and beautiful one, Raymond Parts III, joined here inside the studio by the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names. Our number one in the books. What did we do? You're asking yourself, hey, RP3, I just woke up. I missed hour one. I was trying to get the kids ready, trying to get ready for work. What did I miss, big fella? Glad you asked. How about the Astros rallying, not once, but twice, to take down the Tejas Rangers, who they kind of own, by the way. With the victory, Jose Arquidi picks up the win despite giving up five runs and five innings work. Bullpen was awesome. Diaz with the grand slam. Altuve with timely hits. Even Yuli Gurriel got himself a sack fly last night. With the victory, the best record in the American League, 
belongs to the Houston Astros. They're tied now overall with the Yankees because the pinstripers continue to struggle as they lost in 13 innings last night in walk-off fashion to the Seattle Mariners. A couple walk-offs, dramatic walk-offs in extra innings last night. The Braves did the same thing to the Red Sox. But the Strohs rallied to get the 7-5 victory over the Texas Rangers. The two teams will meet yet again tonight at Minute Maid Ballpark. 7-10 first pitch. Strohs, Rangers. And you listen to the game live right here on the game, of course. You're home for Houston Astros baseball in southwest Louisiana. So we talked about the Strohs getting the win to start this series against the Rangers. Now they have the best record in the American League. Not the best record overall. That belongs to two teams in the National League. The Mets have 72 wins. The Dodgers have 76 wins. Sure does feel like we're on a collision course for Dodgers-Mets in the NLCS. But, that being said... That's National League issues. American League, Strohs now with the Yankees tied atop the standings for best overall record. But let me tell you something. Watch out for the Mariners. They're going to be a dangerous team in the postseason. Now, I'll tell you another team to watch out for. Those Baltimore Orioles. 58-52 and 52 now. They're only a half game out of a playoff spot. Half game. That's it. And they're going to be coming to Minute Maid Ballpark later this month. Got some really, really, really good teams in the American League that could be dangerous. Guardians, Twins are battling it out in the Central. I have no idea what the Chicago White Sox are doing, or as I like to call them, the fighting Jim Gazzolos. They had expectations for a World Series this year. They may not even make the playoffs. I was told Tony La Russa was going to put them over. Yeah. Yeah. Game may have passed Tony by. Guardians, twins in the Central. In the West... Astros are going to lock up that division, but the Mariners are one of the hottest teams in baseball. They're going to be a dangerous wildcard team. The East, despite the Yankees playing like trash since the All-Star break, because that's what they played, they still hold a comfortable 10-and-a-half game lead (laughs) over the rest in that division. But Blue Jays, Rays, and Orioles are all in the mix for the wildcard. The Red Sox are three games under 500. But right now, if the playoffs began today, Yankees, your division champs, that's how that would go. Astros, the West champs, and then whoever's going to win between the Guardians and the Twins. Because you look at the wild card standings, Blue Jays are currently atop the standings They have a a one-and-a-half game cushion over the Mariners. But then the Rays are right there. Orioles 
are only a half game out of that final playoff spot because there will be three wild card teams this year. And then the Guardians and Twins, they're going to be in the mix. Whoever loses the division race will be right there. The White Sox are still there, but they have woefully underperformed. And now one of their best players, their all-star shortstop, is going on the IL. So a big old woof there. But a lot of those teams are going to be dangerous, whether it's the Blue Jays, Mariners, Orioles, Tampa's always one of those teams that's always a pain to deal with. So there you go. Going to be some dogfights coming down August and September, especially in the American League. Can't wait to see it all full, uh, all unveil itself. We also touched on a little Saints training camp. Heard from Paulson Adebo and Taysom Hill. Adebo entering his second year. Keep getting reports that he's the best corner on the field right now. Uh, not only that, he's the best player on the field right now. So for the former Stanford star who once again sat out that final season in college because of the COVID-19 pandemic, shook off the rust last year, expect big things from him, and then also expecting big things from Taysom Hill, lining up primarily as a tight end. There's none of this. He's taking reps at quarterback and splitting time, none of that stuff. Sean Payne's not there. P. Carr, Michael ain't having it. Dennis Allen's like, you're going to tight end. Learn how to play tight end better. Because that's how we're going to use you. And then we'll use you as a goal line quarterback. Get to work. So we touched on Strohs. We touched on Saints. But we spent a large portion, significant portion of our number one, talking about our poll question of the week. Our poll question of the day, rather, which is our foodie poll question of the week. It's about back in the day when you're at school. School lunch. What was your go-to? What was your favorite school lunch? 41% of you are saying other. 31% say pizza. 19% say sloppy joes. 9% say chicken strips slash nuggets. We've had tons of answers. Great answers like lasagna. That's been cooked too long and greasy. <laughs> Darren has chimed in. Number one Raging Cajun fan of RP3 and company. He says, baked chicken. I do remember eating a lot of baked chicken. Rice dressing, roll, and milk. The occasional cookies, too. They never miss with the cookies. And the lunch lady at the end of the line was my mom's best friend and I always got extra when I wanted. Yes! Using the family connections. Look at Darren. A lot of you have commented about gumbo. Blaine Viator has said, has brought in something I wasn't anticipating, which I've asked him to explain, which is the pocket bread at Karen Crow, which is essentially like a homemade hot pocket. Yes, 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 yes. Brad on Twitter says, in elementary and junior high, it was roast over rice and gravy. Nice. In high school, it was the day they would have the baked potato and salad bar. There we go. Doug, my man, Doug. I remember fish sticks with fries, but we we would usually walk across the street to the lunchbox, lunchbox and get Frito pies and a pop. Hashtag good times. 
Tad has also commented, pocket bread in high school at Karen Crow, gumbo chili spaghetti. Oh, yeah. School spaghetti at St. Leo's and not effing fish sticks, he said. <laughs> oh, come on, man. I enjoyed fish sticks as a kid. Ralph Bergeron on Twitter, after walking 15 miles one way just to get to school and probably in the snow. Anyone, anything tasted pretty good, except when they cut the grass and coincidentally served mustard greens. <laughs> My school had some killer sloppy joes, but the homemade rolls served daily were the best. David Ackman says, chicken and sausage gumbo with the dry grilled cheese, West Bank School's baby. I went to school on the West Bank. I forgot about the dried grilled cheese. Brand Mouton says, Stromboli was the number one, but cafeteria pizza is legit. Also, red beans and rice with that good plump smoke sausage. Y'all are liking this poll question of the day. Plenty of comments. Y'all are leaving them. Keep it coming as well. Let's head out to the hotline. Is this the Blaine? Blaine Viator is now on the hotline. Our buddy, friend of the show, friend of the station, sometimes guest host. Always the delightful color commentator for Karen Crow High School Football and Z1059. Bud, what's going on, brother? Dude, I had to call in because it, I, I got to make sure it gets its due. Pocket bread is the goat lunch of all time. It has a cult following from Karen Crow. It, it's kind of like a homemade hot pocket or a stuffed bread. It's a perfect combination of cheese, meat, the jalapenos, got a little spice to it. Woo! it, it look, I would go back and eat there today. If they still had it. I mean, it, it was phenomenal. I mean, uh, ask anybody from Carico in, in that same era. It, it's the goat lunch of all time, and it's not even close. My man. So, okay. So, it, obviously, it still it still sticks with you, right? You still remember it. You love it. It's a, a oh, great childhood memory. Have you tried to recreate it in the Viator kitchen? No, I haven't. I I, I, I don't want to mess it up. The memory is too, <laughs> too fond. I, you don't want to screw up something that's already made in perfection rp3 it, it, it's that good i'm telling you it, I, it's, it's incredible i got you brother i appreciate you bringing it man once you mentioned it i was like "Ooh, what is this because i know blaine's gonna bring something good to the table so i was like pocket bread what's this pocket bread you speak of so <laughs> I, I, i'm excited yeah, man you saw the folks comment on it though right we i got, know we got the fellow character folks all fired up this morning about pocket bread <laughs> appreciate the comment appreciate the phone call brother all right man you take it easy that's blaine viator my man said he had to get his due the comment wasn't enough for blaine blaine said i gotta step it up and call in as well if you want to call in on our foodie poll question of the week which is our poll question of the day every wednesday what was your go-to what was your favorite school lunch back in the day you heard blaine he said pocket bread undefeated Back in the day at Karen Crow. That does sound good. I mean, it's got meat. It's got cheese. It's got some spice. I'm here for that all day long. It sounds a little bit like a cross between a Hot Pocket and jalapeno sausage cheese bread that I get from certain grocery stores, particularly in St. Landry Parish. Just saying. I can eat that all day long. Like, I can just have that for a meal. Especially if it's fresh. Woo! Cheese, meat, jalapenos, bread. Watch out now. But keep those comments coming on our 
poll question of the day. Leave them on Facebook and Twitter. We'll share them. And then if you want to give us a call on the hotline, feel free to do so as well. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. We got to take a timeout. But when we return here on the RP3 and the company, about a little LSU football. Malik Neighbors, former Cornwall High Star, spoke to the media yesterday. A lot of people are expecting big things from him. He could be maybe the number three wide receiver for Brian Kelly and the Tigers this coming season. We'll hear from Malik. That's next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. August 10th, 1975. Jack Nicklaus wins his fourth OGA championship at Firestone Country Club. The Golden Bear defeats Australian Bruce Crampton by two strokes. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You know you love to entertain. You know you love having the fellas over or the family over for football. Whether you you sit down in front of the couch in your living room or your man cave or outside, if you got the setup with the grill and the big screen TV outside. Whether it's Saturdays for college football, McNeese, UL, LSU, or if it's Sundays for the Saints. I know you love to entertain. You love to have a great time, but you got to make sure to do it in style. Is your outdoor living space, is that man cave a little, I don't know, shabby? Need to spruce it up a little bit? Then reach out to my friends over at Lafayette Marble and Granite. They are going to transform your man cave or your outdoor living space into the envy of neighbor of the neighborhood. Friends and family are going to be begging, bribing you to come over to your house to watch the game. They got live inventory. It's updated every Wednesday. Visit their website, lmgelite.com. That's lmgelite.com. You can also check out all the great products and services they have to offer. Or, you know what? Just stop by their showroom. It's located right there on I-49 North across from Hub City Ford and the Jockey Lot. You want to take your man cave, your outdoor living space to another level? Make it the envy of your neighborhood on game days? then reach out to my friends at Lafayette, Marvel, and Granite. Once again, their website's lmgelite.com. That's lmgelite.com. Or visit their showroom located on I-49 North across from Hub City Ford. Lafayette, Marvel, and Granite, they're looking to earn your business. And trust me, earn it, they will. Speaking of earning things, Malik Neighbors is looking to earn more of a role in the LSU passing attack this season under first-year head coach Brian Kelly. Malik, a great player at Como High School. For any of us that got to see him in person, legit. I broadcast a couple of Lafayette High games when he was playing at Como, and you're like, yeah, that's the best player on the field. <laughs> it was one of those deals where you're like, eh, he's the best guy on the field. But remember, Malik recruited 
originally had committed to play for Mike Leach at Mississippi State, was trying to transfer to play with his friends, his senior in high school at Southside High School. The state said no. So he didn't get to play his senior season. Decommitted for Mississippi State, ultimately was recruited by LSU and signed with the Tigers. And last year, he showed some flashes. 28 receptions for 417 yards. Big plays, averaging 14.9 per reception. And the Katie field to that wide receiving core with Kayshawn Butte, former Westgate High Star, coming back healthy. Malik Neighbors from Como and Jack Besh being moved from tight end slash wide receiver to only wide receiver, the former STM Cougar. Boy, sure it does look like the 3-3-7 is going to be dominating the box score when it comes to the wide receiving position at LSU this season. Neighbors, entering now his second season, spoke to the media yesterday, and he talked about that competition, how that wide receiving room so full is chock full with so many great players and how they're always trying to one up each other. They're always trying to compete with one another. Our room is, you know, we always want to compete. We go as the offense goes. So just putting receivers in different roles, you know, Jare goes to the slot. I go to outside, you know, we're just trying to get like different ways that we can put players in different spots so we can compete. You know, it's always competition when you're out there with your brother, you know, like when we, when we was working by ourselves, you know, we was competing always. So, I mean, when we take that here at LSU, you know, we bringing that over from Lafayette to here. So, you know, we know each other, but it's always, you know, we're just trying to compete with each other just to, so we can help each other out playing the game. All those guys know each other because they grew up in the same area, but also played seven-on-seven tournaments and stuff like that. So they went to camps together. Even though they didn't go to the same high schools, they all know each other. And... So there's a level of pride there with those guys from the 337 playing at LSU. You also have Sage Ryan on the other side of the football playing on defense. But those those wide receivers, man, they're going to push each other. Not, not only are they going to push each other because they're at LSU, they're going to push each other because they want to rep their area, their home. So when you listen to these guys talk about each other, it's nothing but praise and nothing – Nothing but praise and nothing but these guys push us. It's one thing to be pushed by a college teammate. It's another to be pushed by someone that you've known, that you went up against, that you tried to go toe-to-toe with to try to have the rep of being the best at your position back in high school. Well, now you're in college and you're in the same room together. Look. Coach Ed Orgeron and that staff did a lot of things poorly the last couple years. What they didn't do poorly was recruit talent from Acadiana. They knocked that out of the park. Kayshawn Butte obviously had to have not one but two surgeries. He's coming back healthy this year for his third season at the helm, his likely last season, leading that wide receiving core for LSU. That guy's got first-round draft pick written all over him. But what does that mean having him back and having him back healthy in that wide receiving room? It's good to have Kayshawn back. You know, we need Kayshawn on the outside, you know, just to have that spot. I mean, he takes defenses around because, you know, they have to look around. So just having him back, he took the role of accountability, you know, being a leader with number seven. So, you know, him being a leader, when we see him do something right, you know, he always energizing the receivers to go harder. 
They have a really talented group. And look, Jenkins, we always forget about him because we focus on the 337, but he's a heck of a wide receiver as well. That room is ridiculous. And they're getting coached up now. They may have been recruited by the former regime, but they're getting some really great hands-on coaching now in that wide receiver room by Coach Hankton, who Brian Kelly was able to poach away from national champion Georgia. And neighbors talked about the impact of having Coach this season. Coach Hankton brings energy, a lot of energy. You know, he's always on, always on 10 when he come out. So, you know, he helped us get our energy flowing and practicing because if he helping us get our energy we can you know stay focused to practice to get our, have our energy stable up because if we low then the team low because we go as a team go yes sir a lot of you got to stay focused of course hey he always 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 asking you questions just trying to give you a different look just trying to help keep your head like strong just look when the game going. energy it's great when you have kind of like a young coach like that that can get the guys fired up and push them. He's got the great energy that can set the right tone for them. And look, Malik had moments last year, but the team struggled. And they added a lot of new players this season, in particular on the defensive side of the football and on the offensive side of the football as Brian Kelly's trying to reload the roster that was gutted by guys leaving early for the draft or entering the transfer portal. But Neighbors says... Those one-on-ones that he had back in the spring, during spring football, under Kelly, really kind of helped him with his competitive nature and help him with his development. Always. They make me better every day, you know. Greg, me and Greg go at it every day, you know. He's making me better as a player. I'm making him better, you know. We compete at the highest level. So I say when we go at practice, always we're going 100%. It's not me trying to do something to him. It's always just about us competing. And we shake hands afterwards, you know, after practice, you know, good stuff, you know, trying to get better every day as a, as a unit. I expect good things. If they can fix the offensive line, they have the talent in the wide receiving core. Having Jack Besh just line up at wide receiver instead of that hybrid role is huge. You're going to have Butte, you're going to have Besh, you're going to have Neighbors, you're going to have Jenkins. Man, they, they got some dogs in that wide receiving group. Not to mention Kyron Lacey, who transferred over from the Raging Cajuns. They're going to have some guys that are going to make plays. Whether or not they're going to give whoever's going to be the starting quarterback enough time to throw the football, which has not been the case the last two years, yeah, that remains to be seen. We'll talk more about LSU, about the big takeaway so far for from fall camp, when the mad dog, Ron Higgins, the award-winning columnist from Tiger Details, he's going to join us next here on RP3 and Company. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. <laughs> Half the week is in the books, which means it's time to talk Bayou Bengals with Tiger Details columnist, the mad dog himself, Ron Higgins. Here is Hold That Tiger on RP3 and Company. Ron Higgins joins us now. Ron, good morning to you, brother. How are you, bud? I'm good, man. I got a new cap for you, just, just, just for your show, the, the Savannah Bananas. The Savannah Bananas. But I got to see the Nashville Sound on vacation. Uh, a great, great ballpark there in downtown Nashville, by the way. Great ballpark. Yeah, I know. It is a nice ballpark. And, and, and by the way, I saw a picture of you. Was, was that the Dalai Lama you were petting? I mean, 
<laughs> Man, llamas, yeah, llamas I can deal with. The ostriches, though, bud, at the safari park, they're angry, they're mean, and uh, they're pretty aggressive, bud. They're pretty oh, they're, aggressive. They're, they're, they're like a, a really good basketball defender. They're, they're long, and they're quick, and they're nasty. <laughs> yes, 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 they are, and they have no problems pecking at my window because I refuse to give them food. Um, um, <laughs> hey, um, let's talk about LSU's wide receiving core because, look, I- I've said it before, O and his staff did a lot of things poorly the last few years. What they didn't do a bad job with was recruiting talented players from Acadiana, and that is evident by the wide receiving core. Kayshawn Butte is going to be healthy this year. You, they're going to move Jack Besh from that hybrid role to full-time wide receiver. Malik Neighbors shows flashes. And, and not to mention, we haven't even mentioned Kyron Lacey, who transferred in from the Cajuns, and Jenkins as well, who kind of becomes the forgotten man. Uh, talk about the depth, the quality of depth of at the wide receiver position for LSU. Well, they have, I mean, they have a, you know, of course, you, I mean, there was Chris Hilton, and talk about him. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, they got all shapes and sizes, you know, and, and, and Bess has been hurt so far this preseason. I think it's a hamstring that's been bothering I mean, we've been to practice a few times, and I know the first day we were out there, he was on an uh, exercise bike most of the time. And uh, But uh, it's one of those things where a guy that they're just, they're just loaded with talent, and they're deep, uh, and, and all shapes and sizes. Uh and, and that's that's the best thing about this team, and and you know, and, they, and they're recruiting. They're doing the same thing. They're still, you know, they just got a five star out of out of Baton Rouge. It was, uh, uh, you know, it was a really a, a really nice receiver. But they, I mean, LSU, LSU, you know, is, is you know sells itself as DBU, which is okay. But they're also you know wide receiver. You if you see who they put in the pros lately, and and the fact they they've made this. I mean, Orgeron really went after really good receivers and got most of them. And and now, I mean, Kelly's benefit, and Kelly understands that. He's, he's recruited some good guys as well. But, yeah, uh, you know, Boutte is, is uh, showing flashes day by day of the old Boutte. He's kind of, you know, kind of mentally overcoming that hurdle of being hurt. Uh, but, yeah, and, and, you know, and, and – uh, They've got four different quarterbacks they're working with right now, and, and they're seeing all kinds of balls from different ways. So it's a it's a it's a challenge, and they're working hard. I mean, I mean, uh, they've got they know the essence of their offense uh, is getting the ball to playmakers in space. I mean, that's it. I mean, they they and they got a lot of them. You can't get the ball to those playmakers if the offensive line doesn't give the quarterback enough time to throw, and that's been an issue the last two years. Even though they had guys with experience across the offensive line, you and I have talked about how they were just kind of average at best. Yeah, at best. At, at okay. best. At, at best. And we're, we're being kind there. We're trying to be nice on this on this August the 10th edition of the show. Uh, you know, and part of the problem last year, they never got chemistry all year. They were hurt in the preseason before they, and before they got to the first game, and they never really got chemistry all year, and uh, you know, I mean, gave up too many sacks, too many pressures. Didn't the run game was nothing, uh, and and this team knows. I mean, Brian Kelly has said this. This team's going to go 
as this offensive line goes. And right now, I mean, nothing's nothing's really set. I mean, they're they're cross training guys at different positions. I mean, they're, they're trying guys in different places, and and probably I'd say in the next week or so, you'll have a better idea of who's probably f- on the first team, definitely, and what they're working with. They're they're kind of moving right. I mean, guys are. You know, uh, Garrett Dellinger is playing guard and center. Uh, you have guys. Uh, I mean, the only people, the only the side that seems to be set is, is the left side. Uh, but again, they're cross-training guys for different positions in case people get hurt. Uh, but the, they like what they see so far. It's just a matter of, of getting that chemistry, uh, relying on each other. Uh, because last year they never really had it. Uh, but, Ronald, let, let me ask you this about that group. Because I hear all these names, and you mentioned a lot of players, and I, I've heard a lot of other players. A name I don't hear is Cardell Thomas. And this is a guy that was heralded, a Ballyhooed recruit that stayed at home and committed to LSU. He's never been able to get on the field, whether it's injuries or just he's not good enough. I, I, I what what do we make of Cardell Thomas yet having another opportunity here with a different coaching staff and yet seemingly can't get on the field or even be in the rotation uh, across an offensive line that's trying to be rebuilt? It's it's, it's a mystery. It really is. I mean, uh, again, you're not you're not hearing his name mentioned. Uh, all these names are being being, being mentioned. Just saying, you're, you're not being, being hear his name mentioned by by the coaches. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's a mystery. Is he one of those guys who just was, uh, you know, misevaluated? Uh, I mean, or a guy who just never has lived up to potential and just, you know, no matter, you know, maybe he lost confidence somewhere along the way. I don't, I don't know. It's you have, uh, you know, every once in a while you have misevaluations like that in your recruiting. It's not a perfect process. Uh, maybe they misevaluated him. But again, you're not, you're not hearing his name. Yeah, among among people when they when talking about the offensive line play, who's who's candidates, who's looked good, blah blah blah. His name is never mentioned. Uh, uh, That's a bad sign. That's a bad sign that he's not even going to make the depth. Like, like it, it feels like he's not even going to be on the two deep. I mean, honestly, I mean, he played slightly at the end of last year, just a touch, but that's because they had so many people hurt. But again, you haven't. You just haven't heard his. I mean, not 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 a not a peak from anybody. I mean, players, coaches, uh, and you know he's out there. You I mean you go to practice, you look, you're checking off numbers, and you see him. You know he's there, uh, but he's one of those guys that just uh, has never you know done anything. And uh, you keep waiting for him, and 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 uh, and he's he's still there and hadn't, hadn't done anything. My my goodness, I mean he's at this point. Let's see, yeah, he's a junior. Yeah, you know, yeah, six six four three forty five for junior. So you keep waiting for him to, to do something, and and he really uh, hadn't done anything. And you, and you have you know freshman freshman coming in who performed better than he has. You got uh, you you got guys transferring in from Florida International. Yeah, that 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 are getting more reps and getting more talked about than he is. That that's that's not a great sign. All right, let's switch over to quarterback Ron. Um, I, look, I think it's going to be what the week 
of the opener against Florida State inside the Superdome before we really find out who the starting quarterback is going to be through camp so far? Has your mind changed at all on who you think the starting quarterback is going to be for LSU? I think everybody has their own guy. I mean, I mean, uh, people read a lot of stuff and stuff like, you know, they got there and, you know, Garrett Nussmeyer's taking snaps in the first team. But that means nothing. I mean, that really that, that, that didn't – who we see take snaps doesn't mean nothing because everybody's getting snaps, all right? I mean, they, you know, they change the order every other day. Uh, you know, uh, my mind hasn't changed. I still think it's going to be Miles Brennan. That's just uh, – I'm in probably the minority. Uh, I think you're going to go with the guy who – you know, throws the ball the best, the guy who reads the defenses the best, the guy who's the most mature, the guy who gets in the right place uh, uh, most of the time, the guy who doesn't panic, the guy who, the guy who basically has the the, the, the maturity to, to handle uh, pressure, stay in pocket. And yeah, I know he's not the most mobile person in the world, but, you know, they got another quarterback for that if they want that. And that, you know, that other quarterback, I mean, Jane Daniels, Arizona State, uh, he's they're still trying to work out, you know, his his you know his uh, footwork to throwing the ball consistently. And that's not a good sign. Um, but he they worked on the spring; they're still working on it. He's inconsistent throwing the ball. Uh, you know, the wild cards, Garrett Nussmeyer. You know, he's uh, he's learned to run an offense, and uh, you know a better a better an improved passer less gunslinger more passer learning how to run offense he's kind of like the wild card a lot of people like him say that say he'll start i i just knowing knowing kelly and knowing one of the things he loves is, is somebody who takes care of the football and doesn't commit turnovers and no understands you know you you don't throw interceptions and you don't try to force balls into small you know areas that you can't get it to I just think I think the game one start will be Miles Brennan, but you know he, they could shock me, you know. But you know, as Mike Denberg, offensive coordinator, said this week, he was talking about all the things that, that go into you know picking a starting quarterback, and then uh, he said, you know, it's about leadership, knowledge of the offense, making plays be made, making a clutch throw, uh, protecting the football, all these things. Uh, when I see that, I just check off Miles Brennan at one 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 one. That's a, that, again, that's just me. Uh, uh, people, a lot of people still don't like Miles Brennan because uh, he got hurt two years ago, tore an abdomen, and couldn't play the rest of the year. The last year, tripped over a flip flop uh, before the season and broken arm. So uh, they think he's injury prone. I don't think he's injury prone. I just think he, you know, uh, look, folks, he's not going to wear flip flops playing football this year. I promise you. So. <laughs> not, not going to wear flip flops. Hey. Uh... One more about the team, bud. Uh, defensive secondary, some big question marks there, right? Uh, they lose uh, lots of experience there, uh, lots of battles going on. Uh, does a guy like a young player like Sage Ryan, former Lafayette Christian Academy star who played a little bit last year but dealt with some injuries, does he have an opportunity to get on the field a lot more here in year number two, or uh, do you think that all that is still to be determined? I think it's still to be determined. I mean, one of the problems, I mean, they brought in some transfers. These transfers are, are, are going to, you know, two two or three are going to start. I mean, I think both cornerbacks will be new transfers, and I think the nickelback will be a, a transfer. Uh, 
you know, and he, you know, he's going to fight for the safety spot. And then, you know, safety, of course, is, is uh, Jay Ward is one of the safeties. And, and the Fouché from Arkansas is another uh, the guy they brought in with another safety. Yeah, I think he'll get more playing time. But, uh, again, I think this year there was – and, I don't again, you know, Brian Kelly talked about this. I mean, uh, they brought in, you know, 13 transfers because they wanted to shore up the inexperience factor because – they only had 39 scholarship players after the bowl game last year. And he's not going to be recruiting. He's not looking to recruit the, that many transfers again. This was a one-time thing. And so, yeah, look, uh, I think there's a chance for a lot of different people to play uh, in, in the secondary. Uh, I just, because there's a lot of talent back there. And, and there's no doubt that, that, you know, Sage Ryan was a great player in high school and that nothing's changed. Uh, and, Honestly, it was a, a, a tough year last year for the defense. I mean, uh, they were handcuffed most of the year by a defensive coordinator who refused to blitz until late in the year. Uh, but, but again, that's part of Ed Orgeron's coaching hires of having guys who weren't experienced uh, on the college level uh, of being coordinators, not just not knowing any better. Uh, look, this year they're going to have, I mean, I really believe the defense is going to have to carry him early in this season while the offense finds its, finds its way. Uh, you know, it depends how quickly the offensive line gets their chemistry. You know, who's the quarterback? I mean, uh, you know, how quick, I mean, I mean, the play shaking and punting is up in the air right now, but the punting will probably be Jay Bramlett of Notre Dame transfer who started there for three years. I wrote something on him today on Tiger Details. Uh, and, uh, I think that I think that the secondary will have a better year because the defensive line will have a better year, and, the, and defense is, uh, has a has an idea of, of a better idea of what it's doing and more you know, being more consistently coached you know and with, by somebody with experience. Mad Dog, appreciate your time as always. Quickly, like I like I got twenty seconds. What was your favorite back in the day school lunch at the cafeteria when you were growing up? Uh, I, I'm saying probably pizza, but the thing probably universal was that every time they cut the grass out the elementary school, we had spinach that afternoon for lunch. <laughs> Someone else mentioned that they would always have greens, mustard greens <laughs> the yeah. day after they cut the grass at their school as Absolutely. well. Yeah. <laughs> but appreciate your time. As always, we'll talk to you next week, brother. Hi, man. Take care. We got to take a time out. We'll wrap up our number two, update that poll question of the day. That's all coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros. Foodie poll question of the week and our poll question of the day on this hump day edition of RP3 and Company. Let's go to Facebook. Look at the comments we have over there. Nick Mesh says pizza and steak fingers. Ooh, I forgot about steak fingers. Blaine Smith says honey mustard chicken nugs. Willis Bork says that school spaghetti. Oh, yeah. Man, if you had the right kind of cafeteria lady, she'd make it nice. And Todd Dugas says, give me that pizza. Leading the vote right now on our foodie poll question of the day, what was your favorite school lunch? 38% of you say other. 35% say pizza. 18% say sloppy joes, which is my was my was always my personal favorite. I love sloppy joes. 9% say chicken strips or nugs. 
Ton answered my question from earlier when he said he was rocking chicken sausage gumbo or sausage creole for lunch. And I was like, what type of school did you go to? My man answered. He was born in Tioga. Shout out to Sinlaw. But then grew up in Church Point in rain. He said we had some fire lunches. I'd say so. I bet you all that gumbo was homemade too, especially in Church Point in rain. Keep those comments coming on our poll question of the day, which is our foodie poll question of the week. You guys have been killing it today. Keep those comments coming on Twitter and Facebook. We'll update it throughout the final hour of today's RP3 and company. Coming up, we're going to talk a little digging safety here in Louisiana because it is 811 day. Jeff Morrison will be joining us. And then Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News is going to talk NFL training camps with us at 8.30. That's all on deck. You're listening to RP3 and Company right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Oh, welcome back to RP3 and Company. Final hour has arrived here. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Got Vinny Iyer going to be joining us here in half an hour. Our friend, NFL reporter, columnist from the Sporting News, going to break down the big storylines coming out of NFL training camps from coast to coast. So that's coming up a half hour from right now. Also, don't forget to vote on the poll question of the day. You know, on Wednesdays, we love to make it about food. It's our foodie poll question of the week. What was your go-to school lunch? Back in the day when you had to eat at the cafeteria, what was your go-to? Was it pizza? Was it corn dogs? Tacos? Gumbo? Sloppy Joes? We want to hear from you. Tons of great reactions so far this morning. So keep those comments coming on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean. You know, kids are out there watching, listening, reading. Right now, though, it's time for us to talk, well, talk about National 811 Day. You've heard me talk about this a ton on this show, RP3 and Company, about safety. Look, we've done it at our house where we installed a fence, and I called 811. They came out. They marked the location of all the buried lines. I had no idea where they're at. I'm thinking, hey, I got just, I just want to put a fence line on the back property There's not going to be all these lines back there. Sure enough, guess what they were? Thankfully, we did the right thing. Not everyone does. But you should. You need to. It's of a dire of importance. And to talk about the safety of utilizing Louisiana 811 here on National 811 Day is the man from Louisiana 811. Jeff Morrison joins us now here on RP3 and Company. Jeff, good morning to you, brother. How are you? Good morning to you, sir. We certainly appreciate the opportunity to be with you and to share with your listeners this morning. A beautiful day. It is a beautiful day. All right, so let's let, let's talk about this, Jeff, because, look, 
you guys have been performing this service, the hotline, the website. It's been around for a while, a long time now. But yet, it still feels like people <clears throat> go out there and, and dig before calling. <laughs> so, so you know, have you seen the efforts actually start to make an impact? Uh, oh, absolutely. A- absolutely. Our, our ticket uh, amount that we receive daily is continually increasing week by week, month by month. We receive over 3,000 locate requests a month just from listeners just like yourself in Louisiana. So that tells you we've got it going on. You know, what we do, when, when someone uses 811, uh, it allows us to simultaneously notify many underground utility operators or facility operators of their intent to dig or demolish. And, you know, as you mentioned before, you can simply call 811. How amazing. Thursday is August 11th, 811 day. And we want to remind the community of the absolute importance to notify us prior to any digging or demolition activities. Because as you've already stated, the ground is saturated. The ground is absolutely saturated with underground utilities this day and time. And I'm seeing it more and more as well, just locally here in Acadiana with uh, underground uh, Mm high-speed internet being installed in neighborhoods, especially in rural areas. They're starting to get that, so that's even additional lines that are in the ground. Uh, You know, when people think about this, Jeff, you know, uh, a lot of times they think, oh, well, I don't need to call because I'm not putting in a pool and I'm not putting in a fence line. I'm just, you know, doing some landscaping around my house. Even in that regard, they still need to call, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Anytime anyone is disturbing the dirt in any shape, form, or fashion, that could result in reasonable damage to an underground utility. And, you know, it's not our law. It's the state law, the Underground Utility Damage Prevention Law, that requires anyone doing such a project to notify us two business days in advance. It is for their safety. It's for their safety. And, you know, the cool thing about it, it doesn't cost anything. It's absolutely free. It's absolutely free. And you guys are pretty prompt as well i i know it talking to you and other representatives over the years with louisiana 811 you guys are johnny on the spot but when i had to utilize it myself as a homeowner i was really surprised how quickly people came out and you know spray painted located lines and spray painted my yard so we could avoid them that way there would uh, not be any type of incident had in my neighborhood which uh, all of my neighbors were very appreciative of Good. You're exactly right. I appreciate that comment. We are actually the middleman between the excavator, whether it's a homeowner like yourself or a professional excavator setting power poles or building a street. We're the middleman between them, the excavator, and the utility companies. We have well over a thousand members, uh, utility companies, owners of pipelines, water lines, communication system, on and on and on. And we simply take the notification of the excavation from the excavator, again, like yourself, we process it, and then we send it out to those of our member utility companies who have facilities in the area of the excavation. And then they or either their subcontractors in return go out to the location, and as you mentioned, they mark the facilities with the, everybody seeing the red, the orange, the blue, paint, the flags everywhere. Our member companies actually do that. And, again, it's free to the excavator, and it's all about safety. It's the wise thing to do. We're talking with Jeff Morrison with Louisiana 811. Once again, National 811 Day is tomorrow, August the 11th. 
obviously, you need to call before you dig. It's of dire importance. You know, the other thing about that is that do you feel, Jeff, that in this era of, I guess, at least the last 20 years or so, and probably a little bit longer, of self, you know, uh, doing everything by yourself, going to the local hardware store, doing the renovation project by yourself, self-contracting, self-doing everything, putting in a pool by yourself and everything like that. Uh, we've seen that. Has that kind of led to you guys even being more mindful, even be more determined to make sure to get the word out because contractors probably know what to do or would would handle these issues before, but with so many people self-contracting, do you guys feel like you got to get the word out even more? Well, you're exactly right. And you know what surprises everybody is during the height of the COVID, our ticket volume went out of sight. Why is that? Well, everybody was at home working, trying to save a buck. People are trying to do things themselves. And in the in the professional excavators, you know, they have heard about the 811 message for over 30 years. It's the homeowners that we're really trying to reach now. And you're exactly right. Uh, there is a great increase in the ticket volume. A lot of that is homeowners. And a homeowner installing a fence or setting a, a mailbox or, or planting a tree in his backyard is just as apt to cut uh, a utility line that could prevent service. It could actually cause a damage to that property or it could injure the excavator, our listeners themselves. That's why, you know, it is so important that we continue to get the message out that no one is exempt. Anyone that is doing any type of excavation or demolition work, tearing down a building, is required by the law to notify us two business days in advance. Let me ask you this. Once they come out and mark the location of the lines, because you, you, you guys recommend for residents to you know call two full work days uh, before you begin, uh, is there a, a time of the day that is kind of like the cutoff to make sure that it's a full work day still for you guys? Well, the, the way that works in our listeners, we don't have to do the math on it because when you notify us, we're going to tell you when that full two work day tolls. Okay. It's, always at seven, it's always at 7 o'clock in the morning. It's always Monday through Friday, and it excludes holidays. That's when the mark by time is, 7 o'clock in the morning. In Louisiana, the life of that ticket, that's how long that excavator can work on that ticket, is up to 20 days, not over 20 days, up to 20 days, or until those marks have been destroyed by either weather or work. That's the life of a ticket in Louisiana, up to 20 days, or until the paint or the marks have been destroyed. And at that time, the ticket has expired and another ticket needs to be called in. Once they're marked on the ground, what's the rule of thumb? Let's say you guys come out, mark my property. I'm putting in a fence, and let's say I need to put my fence in, but there's a line there. How much separation between where you mark the lines and where I can actually build? How much space in between? Okay, the law is very specific about that when it talks about the location of the facility. And it says that the facility, the location of the facility, is the width of the facility as marked, plus 18 inches on either side. So let's say the city has an 18 or 12-inch water line, and they mark the water line in blue, and they notify or they label it a 12-inch water line. Then when you apply 18 inches to either side, that is a four-foot corridor, which is the specific location of that facility. 
That does not mean that an excavator cannot dig in that area. If that was the case, with the ground being so saturated, we might as well take all our shovels and burn them in a pile. <laughs> what that simply means is when the excavator gets within that tolerant zone, 18 inches either side, that's when you should not use the backhoes and the trackhoes. That's where you should do what we refer to as soft digging, digging with a shovel, digging slow, using a probe bar, and trying to actually lay eyes on it. Jeff, appreciate your time, as always. Before I let you go, obviously, they can call 811. It's a great free service. But where can they go to get additional information, more research, especially local homeowners here in Acadiana and in southwest Louisiana all the way over to Lake Charles if they're wanting to do some type of project? Where else can they get info? Anywhere in the state, you can log on to LA811.com. And we have a complete list of information, helpful information, that explains the dig law. We have a list of private locators who the homeowners can actually engage themselves. Because if a homeowner is working in his yard, that line, the water line that comes from the water meter to the house, probably will not be located by the water company because the homeowner owns that. That's an extension of their plumbing going out to the meter. Generally, when you have metered service, the Utility owners ownership stops at the meter, and from the meter on in, whether it's a water meter or a gas meter, that is the customer's problem. So, or that's theirs there to locate. So, we have a list of private locators that the customer can use. We don't we don't back any of them up. We just put that information out there. But on our webpage, it's a tremendous amount of information that will help homeowners or anyone to do their work more safely. Jeff, appreciate your time. Thank you so much, brother, and we'll talk to you soon. Very good. Y'all have a good day. It's Jeff Morrison from Louisiana 811. Once again, National 811 Day is tomorrow, August the 11th. And always remember, call 811 before you dig. we got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, we'll open up the phone lines. Want to hear from you. We'll update our poll question of the day. And Steve Wiley and Hannah Five Names will join us for a roundtable discussion about their go-to favorite cafeteria lunch back in the day at school. That's all coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the best local sports talk in southwest Louisiana. Oh, man. Are you sick and tired of that constant pain in your knees or hips or back? Especially this time of year, you need to be moving pain-free. Hey, it's Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3, for the team at QC Kinetics. QC Kinetics is helping people here every day, giving them lasting pain relief using the latest advances in regenerative medicine. The science is simple. They concentrate your own body's healing agents and apply them to your aching joints, restoring and repairing damaged tissue with no drugs, no steroids, and no surgery. Listen. The old remedies for pain are not the only remedies. You need to learn more about how regenerative medicine at QC Kinetics can change your life. Make this the last summer you suffer from chronic pain. They've got clinics here and all over America. This is the exciting new natural way to deal with joint pain with no side effects and no downtime. 
Call QC Kinetics right now for a free consultation. 337-243-4222. That's 337-243-4222. Welcome back to RP3 and Company. I'm now joined inside the studios, in addition to Hannah Five Names, the producer extraordinaire. We're joined by the voice of Acadiana. Steve Wiley. Steve, good morning. It's good to see you again side by side with me here in the studio, but it's been too long. It seems like I haven't seen you in about a month. Yeah. yeah. Atlanta, New Orleans, then vacation. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. It was quite it was quite the back to back to back, my friend. All right. You are uh, a distinguished gentleman, is how I'm gonna phrase it. You're giving me an awful lot of credit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, our poll question of the day, as we do every Wednesday, is our foodie poll question of the week. And we've got a ton of reaction on this. Is about what was your favorite meal, your favorite lunch at school in the cafeteria? And, of course, pizza was always popular. If you got to have that, that seemed to be a huge treat. Uh, sometimes you'd get Salisbury steak, whether it was actual meat. That, <laughs> that, that begs to, you know. That'll be another rabbit hole we'll go down. Sloppy Joe's, corn dogs. A lot of folks have said gumbo. Um, I don't know you know, uh, where that money came from for those schools. But also lots and lots of different reaction for our foodie poll question of the, uh, of the week. Right now, 38% of the vote goes for pizza. 36% say other whether that's gumbo or jambalaya or red beans and rice or whatever it might be, uh, or if you went to Karen Crow, uh, a different type of like homemade Hot Pocket, which is legendary. Blaine Viator called and, and discussed that with us. Sloppy Joe's, 18%, and 8% for like chicken strips slash chicken nuggets. So I'm going to ask you, bud, what was your favorite? What was, the, what was the lunch at school that you got the most excited about? Well, I'll tell you, I, I thought that the school pizza sucked. <laughs> okay. Um, and I'm not sure chickens were roaming the earth yet when I was in school. The forks were made out of dinosaur bones. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. For, oh, okay. Fred Flintstone. All right. For me, it was sloppy Joe's. Oh yeah. You know, sloppy Joe's were a big hit with my buddies and me when we were in school. Oh, see, 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 I, I picked, I voted sloppy Joe's as well. And look, I, pizza was always exciting. Even look. Even if the pizza did, as you, in your words, suck, it was still pizza. So when you're a kid, you're like, oh, we still get pizza. Yeah, and you don't have really discerning tastes when you're a kid. Right, when you you're really 12, don't. when no. you're 12, it, it doesn't matter. No. <laughs> you, you. Food is food. <laughs> yeah. Correct. Food is food. That's all that matters. But I went with Sloppy Joe, but we had a lot of good, uh, you know, votes here, right in Canada. And obviously, you didn't grow up in Louisiana. No, I did not. Right. You're an East Coast guy. Yeah. So... A little bit different perspective, but a lot of these people are, are saying on here, you know, gumbo, uh, chili. A lot of people saying spaghetti, uh, which was always a, a favorite as well. But a lot of folks saying gumbo with uh, smoked sausage. And I was just like, well, you know. Where did you go to school? Yes, yeah, uh. so, someone went to an, uh, a, a well-funded public school <laughs> is all I can say. So I say Sloppy Joe's. You say Sloppy Joe's. Yeah. Was there a secondary one that that you that you enjoyed? Yeah, we used to like to take the spaghetti and make sandwiches out of it. Oh yeah, there you go, spaghetti sandwich. Yeah. Oh yeah, they just give you some good old fashioned white bread. Yep. And you just slap mm -hmm. the spaghetti on there and eat that. Oh yeah. Yeah. See, there you go. Now, now you're speaking my language. Now, someone here inside the studio 
had a what I would call a bougie cafeteria experience when she was in school because you know they had like a salad bar and they had uh, you know nice vegetables and nice food and everything like that. <laughs> Did you have hors d'oeuvres too? Did I have hors d'oeuvres? You still had to go to the line and punch in your little number or whatever to get in to actually have food. Uh, I didn't get the free reduced lunch, obviously. I had some kind of income or whatever. But I love chicken strips because chicken strips, I usually had like three. So I would use one that would just dip straight to my mashed potatoes. One for ketchup. The other one I would split between both because I love me some good mashed potatoes from school. But, yeah, chicken strips were definitely, like, the hit. But, see, I am old enough – we didn't have chicken strips. Like, yeah. Th- that, that was a thing that came around later. Like, one of my younger brothers started having chicken strips. I was like, you're getting chicken strips during the school lunch? I never had that. Like, that was – that's something that came later when uh, food culture has now been obsessed with chicken and fried chicken and chicken strips. We have an entire restaurant that just makes nothing but chicken strips. Right. And, that, and that's their business model. <laughs> well, yeah. But that, that was not the case back in the day. When vegetables, I always remember there was always standards. Corn, which, by the way, is not nutritious for you. No. Corn, green beans, and like mixed vegetables and spinach. Those were always kind of like the go-to, but I remember corn more than the rest. Corn would would have been the winner for me. I absolutely hated the peas. They were canned peas. Oh. And I, canned peas to me are just like, gosh. I like canned peas better than frozen peas. Though. No, 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 oh, no. Yeah. There's no flavor. There's no texture. There ain't nothing there. Well, it depends on kind you They're buy. They're just mush. You know? The one, well, it depends on one you buy. Some of them, they yeah, have no salted. Some of them have do salted. So When I was in grade school, we grew peas in our little garden. Oh, no. We just, and yeah, now peas, peas right out of the garden, that rocks. That canned stuff? No, no, no. Oh, no. I love me good salted peas out of a can. They, oh. they, they're good. No. Especially when it's Thanksgiving and you get, like, the piece of, like, turkey, which you're not sure if actually is turkey. <laughs> but it still tasted good enough to eat with some gravy mashed potatoes. It, oh, yeah. I love me some peas in school. Canned potatoes? Did you have that? Yeah. The little little, little yeah. round canned potatoes? That were just you, you 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 break it open with a fork and just water came out. Yeah, that's like no thanks. You know? <laughs> we used to grow our own when I was a kid. You know, and mom either. would be peeling them to make whatever, and I I used to like to eat a chunk of a raw potato. I loved that when I was a kid. Raw potato. Yeah, just potato. You know. So you eat like an apple? You would eat it like. Yeah, you know. I mean, not the whole potato, but just like a chunk of it. You know. It's like these days when I'm making potato salad, I always chomp down on part of one of them. So to this day now. So know. if we go, uh-uh. time out, time out. <laughs> so if we, if we go over to the uh, Steve Wiley uh, Casa for an event and there's potato salad on the table, we will know that you took a chomp out of a potato and then you used the rest of it to put in the potato salad. Yeah, Is that I, what you're I, telling I, me? The part that I chomped into, I cut off. I don't. I don't put one in there that's got a <laughs> that I. You just see like on, one you know? piece of cut of potato that has <laughs> little bite marks in it. Yummy, <laughs> oh, <laughs> Steve, brother. Appreciate your time as always. Thank you for joining it's us. It's a hopping, pleasure hopping on there. That's Steve Wiley. Uh, 
our good friend, the voice of the two-minute drill, also traffic reports, and you can hear him middays on, of course, our sister station, Mustang 107.1, our great country station here in Acadiana. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, we're going to put the food conversation aside. We're going to talk NFL training camps with Vinny Iyer of the Sporting News. That's coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 is the epitome of a high roller, constantly making large bets. But by doing that, the minimum bet is a dollar for a win, a dollar for a place, a dollar for a show. So it's essentially a $3 bet that netted me a cool $6.70. What? Okay, so he's not a risk taker. He's your best bet for sports talk. 19. Hit me. 20. Hit me. 21. Hit me. 22. Now back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Here in Louisiana, there are thousands of miles of utility lines and gas pipelines buried just beneath the surface. Sometimes multiple lines are in one area. So look, if you are a contractor that you've hired is digging a hole to put in a new fence, a pool, or for any other reason, you run the risk of hitting an underground line by digging only a few inches. What happens then? Maybe only knock the power out for your entire neighborhood, but sometimes there's an explosion with injuries and even death. It happens every single year, and there's a very simple way to avoid it. Before you dig, call 811. Call 811 two days before you dig. Tell the operator your address, and someone's going to come out there and mark the location of buried lines so you or your contractor can avoid them. It's simple, it's free of charge, and it's the law. And each year on August 11th, we remind you to dig safely and lawfully. Tomorrow is 811 day, and in Louisiana, we got to do our part. Got to do our part to be safe. Louisiana 811 operates. 811 is a public service. And to promote public safety, Louisiana 811 and the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, remind you call 811 and know it's below before you dig. Time for us to head out to the hotline. Welcome on a man who covers the National Football League for the Sporting News. Our old friend Vinny Iyer joins us now. Vinny, good morning to you, bud. How you doing? I'm doing well, RP3. Thanks for having me again. Appreciate you making the time, but all right. So training camp is up and running for all the clubs, and you know uh, some guys are getting back into form. Some guys are coming off injury. Some teams are working out new guys, implementing new players. Uh, so far, what's kind of stood out to you the most about training camp season? Well, I think uh, there hasn't been a devastating injury that shakes up the whole situation. I mean, you did have the Bucks, and that was a bit of a crossover at training camp with uh, the knee there with the Ryan Jensen. But otherwise, I mean, you've had teams kind of avoid it. I think you've seen training camp being dialed down quite a bit. There's just so much in the off-season program that's year-round where you uh, get to a point that uh, these guys are just uh, figuring out everything as teammates right now. I mean, that's the only thing left. They've installed the offense if it's a new team or defense, and just trying to see how the team comes together and meshes together here. So the camp battles are a little bit different now. I think you look at quarterback, everyone's focused on 
How are the second-year quarterbacks doing? How are the rookie quarterbacks doing? How are these uh, jobs going between Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold in Carolina and uh, Mitchell Trubisky and Kenny Pickett? And then you go out to Seattle, Geno Smith and Drew Locke, not as as inspiring as the other two. So we're watching all that. Some things are going to play out in the preseason. It's shortened preseason, we know now. So I think you'll see some more storylines develop here as we get into the next two weeks and um, teams make decisions with key positions on their team. Let's start off with some some quarterback battles. It's not a battle in San Francisco because John Lynch and the head coach has say, hey, we got our guy. We drafted him next last year. He's going to take over the reins, which is great. But by doing so, they completely devalue their existing starting quarterback and teams – are not interested in Jimmy Garoppolo. They're just going to wait for him to get cut, and then San Francisco is going to have to be on the line for most of his salary. Was this a misstep by the 49ers to not move on from Jimmy G and try to get something from him while it looks like now they're going to get absolutely nothing? Well, I think think they would have moved on if there wasn't that shoulder injury issue, and people are always worried about that. Going back to Drew Brees in 2006, uh, the Dolphins, we're thinking about signing him, but they were scared a bit by the shoulder. The Saints end up getting him. So whenever it's that shoulder injury, people are just a bit wary. I think to a lesser degree it happened with Cam Newton because he had the wear and tear, including the shoulder, that made some teams kind of a pause before adding him to their roster. So I think it might have happened earlier. Then I don't think they expected necessarily things to go quickly in motion with Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson and things that went down, Carson Wentz. Matt Ryan, I mean, that cycle happened really fast, right? I mean, in the offseason where I, we didn't even think Ryan was going to change teams. And all of a sudden, the Falcons showed some interest in Deshaun Watson. And he was out of there. And then the Colts quickly moved on, Ryan being available. So I think maybe some of the trade partners they looked at kind of went in different directions, including the Panthers who went with Mayfield. And then you look at the injury, giving some teams pause. So it's it, it's not great, but you got to move Jimmy Garoppolo off your roster. You paid a ton of money here to Debo Samuel. you got your Trey Lance as a first-round pick on a rookie contract. You're going to have to pay Nick Bosa here pretty soon. So you got to move on, eat it, and say you're not going to get much return and get the best salary cap relief you can now. The 49ers are pretty good with the cap, so they're not in dire straits, but I think they would have liked to have gotten a draft pick yield for Garoppolo. And maybe their best bet now is to wait until the midseason deadline and make the move there. and That would be uh, kind of part for the course for Garoppolo because he was traded on the Halloween to the 49ers to get there in the first place. Where do you think Jimmy G goes? I think it, it just depends on how things come together. I don't think he would still shut the door on the Browns, especially if that suspension jumps up to, say, 12 games. I think eight. Maybe the Browns might still be on the fence, but they do have a lot of salary cap room if they don't want to just throw away their season. I think, in a way, the Browns might welcome, if they're going to 12 with Watson, they might just say, get a full season, and you get that contract deferred, and then they have some money to uh, rent Jimmy Garoppolo before he goes into free agency next year. So I still think there's a lot of teams you can look out for. Maybe the Bucks might say, look, Tom Brady for sure is retiring now. We might want to stash him. We're not happy with what we have behind him and Kyle Trask and Blaine Gabbert. So, I would like to just wait if I'm the 49ers. They're not in terrible cap space right now where they have to move Jimmy G. Wait until that can happen because, again, if he moves on in free agency, there's no harm, no foul. You weren't going to get anything for him if you'd released him anyway. 
Deshaun Watson initially NFL says, hey, let's go third party here to make a decision. Then they don't like the decision that's made of only a six-game suspension. They're fighting it. They want to suspend them for the entire year. How do you think this is going to play out? Yeah, I think right now they're definitely going to get more games out of this. I think the way it's trending right now. The question is at 8 or 12. I don't think they're going to get the full season. It doesn't make any sense if you're in an appeals compromise process. So I think that's not the best scenario at all for the Browns. They'll get some deferment with a salary, but not in that cap hit that they would take in 2023 with them. So that would be the worst-case scenario where you're basically having the season wiped out, but you're still on the hook for the bigger money next year. So and they might have to restructure his contract. Something might have to come into play there to get that relief in, in that case. But I, I think the six games is manageable. The Browns might be able to work around that. I still think six might prevent them from getting the playoffs. I think the Ravens and Bengals are much better teams at this stage anyway in different areas. So Browns just might have to accept it's a lost season and table it here for uh, 2023. And if they get to 12 games, I think that's certainly going to be the case. We're talking with Vinnie Iyer, NFL reporter for the Sporting News. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. The Watson situation, look, a lot of people are kind of outraged by this. I'm not surprised that we have a guy that gets involved with sports betting and suspended for an entire year and a guy that has more than 20 civil suits against him for sexual harassment and borderline assault only gets six. Okay, so... I get where people are coming from. Does the NFL have an issue, a bigger issue, Vinny, with off-the-field behavior and how to discipline it properly? Well, I think let me take the gambling part, and also you can throw PEDs in that, where it's pretty black and white. I mean, those are black and white things written well in the CBA that's agreed upon by the NFL and NFLPA, that gambling and PEDs, what do they do? They hurt the integrity of the game. They put other teammates in trouble in the way that you operate it, and the league as a whole it is not a good look. So the league is going to be harder on that, and as well as the NFLPA, because they don't want that among their player ranks. So that's why those are such harsh suspension. Well, the, I think there's a big gray area when it comes to the personal conduct policy. And this is tough, because when there's not criminal charges, and if you look at the Judge Stuell Robinson saying, look, Ben Roethlisberger, okay, the accusations were not as many, but there's some settlements that happened. There were still definitely accusers out there and uh, troubling things with Ben Roethlisberger. He gave six games, and it was moved down to four. I think six games is the baseline for that type of personal conduct violation. So you have to sit together and figure out some specific parameters. It's just hard because it's case by case. Personal conduct can be domestic violence accusations. It could be sexual assault allegations. It could be different things, and you have to weigh those things against each other. So it's very nebulous, that rule, and they might have to just make that clear in the CBA to say, look, if there's this level of charges and the severity is there and the court of public opinion helps that, I think you have to uh, come with the right to harsher penalty. So. I don't think it's going to happen now. So the NFL, I think, would be lucky to get 8 or 12 out of this just because it would be halfway in with what they wanted and what uh, Watson's currently got with six games. And he has the most guaranteed money in NFL history, which also rubs people the wrong way with all the accusations and civil lawsuits that have been thrown his way. It's just, it's just, it's just a bad look all the way around. Uh, Vinny, 
Let's stay in that division, though. Baltimore, Lamar Jackson. Uh, are you surprised the deal hasn't got done? And do you think this time next year, Lamar is going to still be in Baltimore? I think the biggest thing, if you're a quarterback right now, just keep waiting. That's how you get the big money, right? We were looking at Dak Prescott and worried about the franchise tag, and then he had the injury. He still got the big money, right? He yeah. was leveled, leveling up to the current market and the quarterback. So, yeah, why not wait till Kyler Murray got his deal? That's it again. I mean, when you compare Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray's career, Lamar has done more. He's won the MVP. There's definitely no comparison there. So I think the best thing you can do is wait it out. The Ravens have constructed their whole offense around Lamar Jackson. They're not going to suddenly pivot and say, okay, Tyler Huntley is like Lamar Jackson. We're just going to roll with him from going forward. It's just not going to happen. You just don't see those dramatic shifts when a team has that level of quarterback. So I still think Lamar Jackson is a top 10 quarterback. I think Kyler Murray is a lesser quarterback than him and getting paid. Deshaun Watson has a cloudier issue and just got paid a lot. So Lamar Jackson has a lot of leverage. The only thing you say is he got to, he's got to stay healthy, but Dak didn't stay healthy and he's still got the deal. So I think uh, if Lamar has a huge season, I mean, you're talking about getting into that stratosphere with Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers in that untouchable level. And uh, then it's going to be, smart and we've seen it with Kirk Cousins too I mean to a different degree with the franchise tag he kept playing on it he bet on himself and the money kept coming so it seems like waiting it out and being confident that you're going to get the contract anyway is the best way to play it now not rush that contract the way that Murray did I think the Cardinals are probably caved a little bit too early and should have I would have waited if I was the Cardinals and motivated Kyler Murray a little bit more I don't think there's much motivation with Jackson here he's already at that high level Kyler Murray, this happened while I was out, and we hadn't had a chance to talk about it, Vinny. The the whole contract thing with making him do additional film study, and then they decided they wanted to take it out, and it all played out in the public eye. I, th- th- this is PR blunders 101 here, right? Yeah, I think there was definitely a leak from the Kyler Murray side to get this out of the contract. I, I think – what you have with Tyler Murray is he's a very naturally talented young man, right? He can play baseball. He can play chess at a high level. He can be drafted in the first round of both sports. I mean, that is an incredible individual, a very uh, blessed talent, right, overall, that he's very smart, very athletic, can do a lot of things that we all wish we could do just like that. So I think there's that, that maybe Tyler Murray just needs to be pushed a little bit more, that he, he knows he's good, he's confident he's good, but he's got to just push to be a little bit better. Like, you can't just be at that level and just say, I'm talented and sticking around the NFL. I think some players have learned that. Matthew Stafford came in with that million-dollar arm, but he had to learn how to throw and be efficient and emerge as a leader and be what he was for the Rams last season. So and that sometimes happens when you're not facing adversity as a quarterback. You look at some of the quarterbacks uh, that are in the top, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, there was someone that told them they couldn't do something early, and they, nothing was given to them. They had to grind and get that job. So sometimes that mentality helps, and I think they're just trying to push Kyler Murray into that grinding versus everything comes naturally easy to me, and that can be a bad trap as a quarterback. You mentioned Stafford. How much concern is there amongst the Rams about Stafford's arm? I think there's some concern. I think you look at his numbers from last season, again, this has been a bit underrated that he did still tie for the league lead in interceptions. I know he had a big year, but it was not different from some of the more prolific years that Matthew Stafford had in Detroit. So 
he's not transcended as a quarterback here. He just happens to be on a great team with a receiver having a historic season. Now that he's got another receiver now in Robinson, he had a very good offensive line. The defense was great. He has the best defensive player on the planet on the other side. So uh, Matthew Stafford, I don't think people want to hear it as much, but he's a facilitator right now. And look, he was, he was the guy who was carrying his team before because they were bad, but it, it looks like he's always been supported pretty well. And I think the Rams are going to be patient for him. And I don't think this is going to be a lingering issue. I think the biggest thing that Stafford gave them that Jared Goff couldn't was that big arm that could push the ball downfield. And if that arm is fine to do that and the stretch of field, I think they'll be fine. They'll just be very careful, as they usually are in the preseason with all their key players. Wrapping up our conversation with Vinny Iyer of the Sporting News. He covers the NFL. Quarterback battles, you mentioned them when we first started our conversation. What's the one that's the most intriguing to you going on right now in training camp? I still think it's Pittsburgh because Carolina, I mean, I don't care. Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, it's not going to be a starting job. Neither is Gina versus Drew Locke. It's not going to happen. But the Steelers are very critical with this decision because it could mean the difference between them contending and uh, maybe sneaking away with that final wild card in the AFC behind the Bengals and Ravens versus just falling really flat. And they have to be careful here. I get it. They paid Trubisky some decent money. They liked his skill set, what he did in Buffalo last year as a backup. But this is still Mitchell Trubisky. And you got a first-round pick here, Kenny Pickett. This is critical. You have some very good weapons here when you look at the skill positions, they upgrade their offensive line. If they can get some of their quarterback to help complement their pass defense and really uh, score some points here in the division, watch out for the Steelers. So they have to make the right decision here. And that they just can't string along Trubisky or fall back to Mason Rudolph when there's a little upside there. they got to think about how we're going to compete with these guys, the Ravens, the Bengals, with Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow. we got to push it for the ceiling here versus the floor. And if they fell for the floor, Trubisky, because he's a veteran, I think that might end up being a huge mistake and an opportunity lost this season to be a contender. Vinny, appreciate your time as always. Brother, can't wait to talk to you when we get a little bit closer to the season, which will be here in no time flat. Enjoy the rest of your week, brother. All right, thank you, RP3. Have a good one. It's Vinny Iyer, NFL reporter for the Sporting News, joining us here. we got to take our final time out of today's show. When we come back, we'll finalize that poll question of the day, our foodie poll question of the week, and we'll get you set up for Kevin Foote and Footnotes. That's all next right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Uh, the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. The Red Hot Strohs are going to take on the Baltimore Orioles on Saturday, August 27th, and you can be there in person. Simply register in the game clubhouse to score yourself four tickets, a tour at Minute Maid Ballpark, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Once again, O's, Strohs, Saturday, August 27th at Minute Maid. You're going to get four tickets. You're going to get a tour and... Hotel room's going to be taken care of as well. Astro Weekend Getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Love Meridian, Houston Downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. But you can only win them if you become a member of our clubhouse. So go visit 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Also, reminder, Stroh's Rangers live for Minute Maid tonight. First pitch, 7-10. You can listen to it right here on the game. I want to take a moment to thank our guest, Ron Higgins from Tiger Details, talking all things LSU. Jeff Morrison from Louisiana 811. Tomorrow is Louisiana 811 Day. And, of course, Vinny Iyer 
from the Sporting News, getting caught up on all the storylines in NFL training camps. Our poll question of the day, which is our foodie poll question of the week, what was your favorite school lunch back in the day? Winning the vote, 40%. Pizza is your winner. 32% for other, 19% for my personal pick, Sloppy Joe's, and 9% for chicken strips or chicken nugs. Thanks for all who called in. Thanks for all who voted and left their comments on Facebook and Twitter. We appreciate you. For the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names, I'm Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. We'll do it all again tomorrow, 6 to 9. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foote and Footnotes is up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.